0: The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Hey, what's up everybody? We are in a series called Unfriended and today is part five. Um, In scripture, we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter four as well as James three, but mainly we'll land in Ephesians four for the bulk of our time. So go ahead and turn there and uh, we'll get to that here momentarily. When I was in high school, there was about seven of us that, that hung out together pretty regularly. We'd go to football games together. We would hang out at each other's houses. Um, we just spent a lot of time together, and when we were at school, we actually, um, during lunch, uh, hung out, the seven of us, not in the cafeteria or, or you know uh, in the main area of campus, but we actually hung out in a spot where it was just the seven of us, and we were pretty tight. Uh, we had a lot of fun, but I remember specifically one time one of my friends and I got into kind of a verbal spat. We were kind of annoyed with each other and were jawing back and forth uh, about different things. And he said something to me that, that was so like hurtful. It was so like direct and mean-spirited and hurtful that I still, to this day, remember exactly what he said. And I can still think of over the years how that phrase impacts my life. And that was 29 years ago. I would imagine that you have a similar story where somebody has said something to you that was painful, that was traumatic, that that was, you know, wounding, and you remember what was said. Or maybe you have, as you look back on your life, a plethora of experiences where somebody says something that's mean, and, and you can remember lists of things people have said. It is amazing how our words can have that kind of impact that we can be so traumatized by that. I think of name calling or angry outbursts, painfully traumatic verbal lashings that people have received. And the problem sometimes is this, if they happen as a child, those things can carry all the way through the entire lifetime of a person. At the same time, it's not that God intends us to carry that and and, and live wounded by that, but that's oftentimes how people walk through life. Now, on the other side of it, there's words that we cling to in hope. There are times where somebody has said something like, wow, you're unbelievable, or when you walk into a room, you brighten the whole place, or how did you get to be so brilliant? You're so intelligent, or you're so funny or kind, or or somebody said something that meant the world to you, and, and it felt like you were floating on the clouds, you were walking on air. Think about the power of words. Think about the power of when somebody says something amazing and how you feel. Sometimes it's as simple as a phrase that goes like this. I love you. I can remember as a young guy dating Heather and we were in high school over at Marysville Pilchuck. And I remember at one point finally getting to that moment where I was going to say, I love you. And so there we are and we were on campus and I was walking her to one of her classes and then I'd have to scurry over to my class. But I remember being nervous, but at that moment saying, I love you for the first time ever in our relationship. And I remember her response was not, I love you. I remember walking away feeling like, oh God, what did I do? I I, I took a step, I took a bold risk. But it was amazing when she did say, I love you. And I will admit 21 years later in our marriage, Um, It's amazing to hear her tell me today, I love you. That's the power of words. Have you ever stopped to consider the power of the words you use? Have you ever stopped to consider the choice of words that, that, that come out of your mouth or that you type on a computer screen or on your phone as you send it out into the you know, social media world, the power of your words cannot be understated. In fact, we're well aware that words have started wars. Words have led to the demise of a lot of people. You think about the power of words in the world that we live in, and yet here you and I can so flippantly throw out a comment. You and I in sarcasm, or you and I in anger, or you and I you know, saying something that we probably shouldn't say, and we get our words ahead of ourselves, only to wish, dear God, I wish I could rewind time and not have ever said that to anybody, because nobody deserves it. That's the power of words, Proverbs 18, verse 21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. Think about that. The tongue has the power of life and death. You could also say the keyboard has the power of life and death. Your thumbs as you type on your phone have the power of life and death. David in Psalm 5 says this when he talks about people that that are using their words painfully. He says, every word they speak is a landmine. Their lungs breathe out poison gas. Their throats are uh, gaping graves. Their tongues are slick as mudslides. Think about the damage our words can do. Think about the good our words can do and stop and consider in your world personally, are the words you're using life-giving or are the words you're using bringing others closer to their grave? That's the power of the words you and I consider typing, saying, expressing every single day. The power of words. Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 29: Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to each other, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Jesus, today, I pray for every single one of us to really understand the power of our words, the power of what we say, the power of what we type, the power of what we send out on social media, that maybe, just maybe, as we navigate to the end of a message like this, we would stop and consider far more than we ever have, what is it that I say? Do I tend to be a positive person? Is the glass half full or glass half empty? And how does that come across in my communication with others? How do I treat my friends? How do I treat my family? How do I treat my wife? How do I treat my kids? How do I treat the people I care about? And how do I treat People I disagree with, people that rub me the wrong way, people that try to light a fire or get me all boiling hot in my blood. God, help us understand the power of our words cannot be underestimated. God, help us in your name. Amen. Paul says, Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but he uses a word that you and I really ought to key in on because he says do not use any unwholesome talk do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Not, not a little bit, not, not just, just a a word here and there. Don't let any come out of your mouths. And when he says unwholesome, he's talking, it's that word, the idea of whole, he's talking about the kind of words that break apart the character of another person. Paul would say to a dad, fathers, do not exasperate your kids. That's the unwholesome talk that brings them to a place of of, of frustration because they don't know how to deal with how their parent is treating them. It's breaking them down. It's taking them from being a whole individual and shredding them to pieces. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only, and we're going to get to this in a second, but only, and I love that there's another option. Do not let any unwholesome talk, no cutting, no backbiting, no profane talk. And then he gives us the other side of the coin. He says, but only. So he says, don't let any Unwholesome talk. And then he says, but only, and listen to this, but only what is helpful for building others up. When you think about the last 24 hours, when you think about this last week, when you think about what you've put out there on social media, when you think about how you've treated the people around you, does it look like this? That that what you say is helpful for building others up? See, it's the opposite of tearing them down. It's the opposite of of, of, of tearing them to shreds. Unwholesome is to tear to shreds. But the opposite would be to build them up into something amazing, but only what is helpful for building others up. And then he says this, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. When you're having a conversation with somebody, are you listening to what they're saying? Are you taking time to process what's going on in their heart, in their mind, in their soul, as they're having a conversation with you? Or are you simply waiting to give a rebuttal to what they have to say? Are you simply filtering through the words they're using in order to come up with your defense or your response or or focus the conversation back on you because... Paul says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That when you and I use our words, we should be thinking through what is it that they need? What is it that they're going through? What is it that they're experiencing? What is their perspective? And too often in the world that you and I live in, all we're doing is try to defend what our position is. All we're doing is try to explain where we're coming from and what we want them to understand rather than stopping to understand what their perspective might be according to their needs that whatever your response might be in whatever conversation, that it would benefit the person listening. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Would you say that that's your perspective? Would you say that when you hear a verse like this, that you go, man, I feel like I do a really good job at that. Would you say that others around you would go, hey, you know what, I just wanna tell you, I feel like you're such a great listener. I feel like you're looking at another perspective. You're trying to see it from my angle and not just how you're seeing it. Do people often compliment you or have, have they said to you, you know what, you're really good at listening to what I have to say. As you continue through, it says, whoops, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And you can read that and go, is this a a left turn from what he's talking about here? No, no, no. What he's saying is that when you and I use our words and, and there's backbiting and there's tearing others down and there's slander involved and there's divisiveness and quarreling and all of these things, he's saying when we live that way verbally, when we live that way with our thumbs on our phones, when we live that way with our keyboard, sending things out to social media, it's grieving the Holy Spirit of God. That's how serious Paul takes this conversation. Are you aware of the power of your speech? Are you aware that what you say and how you say it can deeply impact people around you and deeply impact your connection with the Holy Spirit in your life? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by falling prey to this pattern of unwholesome talk. Don't do it. Then he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice. Why does he bring up this list in the conversation about unwholesome talk? Because what Paul knows is what you know and what I know. If I'm bitter, I'm not pleasant to be around. If I'm angry, what I'm going to say isn't going to come across very well. If I'm living with a sense of, of, uh, as this list talks about, rage or slander or an attitude of brawling, then whatever it is, that I'm about to say is going to come across in a mean way. So he says, if you wanna be careful and not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, that's a good thing because the Holy Spirit won't be grieved. And if you wanna continue to get good at saying what ought to be said, then get rid of these things that destroy your ability to communicate. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice. Here's a fun exercise. If you go to the book of Proverbs and if you go to like BibleGateway.com, it's a great, great app you can use. You go to BibleGateway.com and you go to keyword search and just in the book of Proverbs, do, do a search on the tongue. Do a search on temper. Do a search on anger. And over and over and over, you'll find just in the book of Proverbs, that there's all kinds of warnings about removing yourself, staying away from people who live with those kinds of attitudes because they will destroy everything around them. Do the search. Go on Bible Gateway and check it out because you'll find all kinds of warnings. Paul says, get rid of these things because these attitudes will become actions. If you're living bitter, people are gonna see it and not only see it, but it's possible for them to pick up that same attitude. If you live angry, people are gonna see it and the danger is not just they see it, they pick up that same attitude and they're angry. It's amazing how what you do can actually deeply affect the people around you and we talk about words, that's this very conversation. If you're living with rage, if you're living with a spirit of like brawling, if you're living with a sense of bitterness, not only will people notice it, but the people around you begin to believe it's okay to live that way and do those very things. It's why when you begin to gossip, others around you start gossiping. When you begin to talk negatively, others around you start talking negatively because people are impacted by your negative behavior. But the opposite is also true. Which is why, as we continue through this conversation, in verse 32, he says this, Be kind and compassionate towards each other, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. When we live kind, others are challenged to be more kind. That's why you see these campaigns around the world, like like pay it forward. That, that you do something kind and other people see it and go, boy, I ought to be more kind. And there was a commercial a few years ago that showed that very thing. And it was you know, an individual who did something kind to this person and that, that somebody saw it. So they went and did something kind to that person and they saw that and somebody else. And it went all the way back around to somebody else doing something kind to the person that was first in the commercial. It's that idea that your kindness also causes others to be kind. Your compassion causes others to have compassion. That's why this whole conversation is so unbelievably powerful. Which brings me to the point in the message that I wanna wanna talk about for a second in a series called Unfriended. Some of us today need to start by unfriending some of these mental habits that we think negatively. Negatively that we dwell on things that are frustrating. We dwell on things that get our blood boiling. And, and one of the first steps, if you wanna talk about unfriending these patterns, is the ability for you and I to walk in repentance, for you to stop and say, God right now where you're at, to say, God, forgive me because I'm negative. Forgive me because I slander. Forgive me because I get angry way too easily. Forgive me because I rage a lot. Forgive me because I gossip. Forgive me because I'm bitter. Forgive me for these things because these things are coming out of me because these things are in me. And repentance allows your heart to be made right with the king of kings, allows your heart to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, and it closes the door to the enemy who Jesus said came to steal and kill and destroy. So the first thing, if you wanna unfriend some of these things, I would say you need to repent of allowing some of these things to rule your life. Consider what you say. And then I just wanna give you a simple list that we can walk through briefly here. But when choosing words to think or to say or to type and to send out into social media, here's a few filters for you. The first thing would be this, is it true? If you're about to say something, is what you're saying true? We hear all the time about things like fake news, and we see it seems harder and harder as we live to get down to what's really going on in our world, what's really true in our world. But we ought to bear the responsibility of doing our homework before we spout out something that we haven't even verified. Is it true? And that's just one. The second thing would be this. Is it necessary? If I post this or if I say this to somebody If I end up in a conversation and bring this up, is it necessary to the conversation? Is it necessary for me to put this out there? Is it necessary? The third thing is this, is it timely? We've said many times before, yeah, it may be the right thing, but maybe it's not the right time. Is it timely? Are you putting something out there in a conversation that it's the right time? to say it? Or are you just saying something to add to a conversation? It doesn't matter which direction it goes. I just got to say something. Is it timely? The fourth thing is this, is there a better way to say it? I was thinking about how in marriage, one of the pitfalls when when we talk with couples, um, Heather and I, or when I talk with a, a couple that's struggling, um, Oftentimes in conversations, we warn people about saying you always or you never. And it's, it's one of the easy, well-known pitfalls in communication. But when you say to somebody, you always forget my birthday, when you could say, okay, we've been together for 20 years and I forgot your birthday this year, and I forgot your birthday eight years ago, don't say always. Now, obviously a birthday shouldn't be forgotten. That's bad news in a bad situation. But when people say, you always leave the toilet seat up, you always park too close to whatever, you always do this or you always do that, there's no credibility because always is probably not true. And the opposite is the same thing. You never... You never, you know, put your laundry in the hamper. By the way, my marriage is great. These are examples from marriage, but this isn't my marriage, it's yours. It's somebody else's, it's not mine. We're in great shape, we're doing awesome. I do everything right. Heather does everything right, so let's move on. But anyway, avoid always and never. In community, there's a better way to say certain things. And using always and never never helps the conversation. Ironic that I would say it that way. Finally, when choosing what to think about or to say or to type, here's a great one. Is silence better? There's a proverb, and I should have typed this out in my notes, but there's a proverb that says, even a fool is thought wise when he keeps his mouth shut. (laughs) And I think about that because honestly, sometimes silence is better. We don't always have to say whatever it is we're thinking. We don't always have to put out there what our opinion is. There is wisdom in holding our tongues. There is wisdom in not saying whatever it is we feel like we wanna say. Because oftentimes, how we feel doesn't always help what we say if our feelings are wrong. And feelings can be very deceptive. Another sermon, another day. Is silence better? Voltaire said this, the secret of being boring is to say everything. And I'll tell you what, as somebody who gets up in front of people with a microphone, I always wanna be careful that, man, I could say all kinds of stuff, but sometimes the more I say, the less effective it is. Sometimes the more you talk, the more you put things out there on social media, the more opinions you chime in with, the less people are actually listening. And so sometimes the question needs to be, is silence better? As we wrap this up, I just wanna do something that that I don't do very often, but I just wanna read James chapter three, the whole chapter, and I just want you to listen. I'm gonna read the message version, the NIV's great, and I typically use the New International version, NIV, but I wanna read the message version and then I'm done. Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set a forest on fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame the tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not gonna dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? Do you wanna be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? here's what you do, live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you're wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at each other's throats. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. Father, today, I couldn't put it better. What James has to say is a reminder for all of us. What Paul says in Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 is for all of us that God, in a world that's polarizing, in a world that we seem to be on opposite ends of of, of conversations, in a world that seems to be the temperature rising and mean-spiritedness is raining, God, help us understand the power of our words. Yes, on social media. Yes, as we navigate this, this, this internet world. But also, as we interact personally with one another, when I think about families and marriages and and church families and the need for unity, God, we need your help. And I pray as we end today, we would understand the power of our words for good, but also for evil. Help us, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.